0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Craft Beer and Data. My name is Nick Piet, Chief Evangelist at Talon. I'm Mark Balkney, Director of Technical Product Marketing at Talon. And we are here at Wynkoop Brewery with CJ Fischler and uh, John Sims. Perfect. Uh, So, you know, obviously our last episode we were at Guinness Brewery. Um, We're back here in the States kicking off our first Craft Beer and Data Tour event. You're in Denver, which is great, so we didn't have to travel too much. Um, you should see us if you guys are in Philly and looking at us for next month. Uh, we'll be out there. Um, so now that we've got you guys here, right? So we've got the historian and we've got the head brewmaster. We've got some really, uh, and, and why I'm really excited about starting with Windcroop Brewery is, is that really. Just like we're starting our adventure here, craft beer for the Colorado area really started here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, just doing kind of some of the quick research, right? I mean, you guys have been around since the '80s. So, how has really the brewing process, and really what you guys have done? I mean, you guys are really invested in the community, right? So, how has that kind of gone through? What's kind of the history of this place?
1: Even you mentioned before, guy came on camera about how it wasn't even legal. Yeah, right, uh, right. So to have a tasting room at the brewing place, so talk about that a little bit too would be, I think, very interesting for people listening. Right, right.
2: Uh, in '88 we opened up, and it started. Uh, before then, in '87, they actually changed some legislation to make it legal, so you could produce and serve liquor beer wine whatever it may be on the same premise and we're seeing states that are just now starting to learn that but we've obviously been doing that since 88 and we see Not states we're going to (laughs) (laughs) and 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 they they notice it too obviously the tax revenues and the other monies that come in from that are huge but uh seeing what we've done with the last 20 plus years with that and seeing now where everybody else is starting to pick up pace we really see how that's given us advantage in the craft beer market and how everything's just taken off in that sense
0: yeah no i mean it's yeah, for many of our viewers that aren't Around from Colorado, one of the things that's very fascinating is, is kind of the the group of co-founders that kind of put this together. Right. One of them now our actual governor of Colorado, and and you kind of mentioned that his. His origin story, if you will, into brewing is kind of atypical, and it was really fascinating when we were talking about it.
2: Well, uh, atypical probably at the time, but right now you see all kinds of people from all different walks of life jumping in, so I guess it was a good litmus for what was going to come, you know, later on, but he was a geologist out of a job, and it was the oil bust, you know, in Denver and the surrounding area, and... uh, This building was a gem in the rough. And besides in the neighborhood, besides Union Station and a few other spots like the Oxford Hotel, which from what I was told was going like bankrupt at the time. there's nothing in the neighborhood. So that's how we got coined. And I don't know if we coined ourselves or we got coined as a brewery that brewed a neighborhood because, you know, not out of the ashes or anything, but we've seen it through this change yeah. and everything from Coors Field, and now the the recent changes to Union Station that have just been crazy good for the Lodo area in Denver in general. So very yeah. lucky to be right smack dab in the middle of it.
0: No, absolutely. Now. It- on that kind of community um, vein, one of the things that we are doing is researching. You guys are releasing a new beer coming out next week that's really attached to the Haiti project, right? Yep.
2: Yeah, monthly we actually really, or we have, we have monthly beers. That okay. Basically, something gets donated to a benefit. Oh, lovely. When it comes to that, and that's the one coming up for that. So.
0: Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so why that specific? It's a specific plant. Um, it's like the Marley. I, I'm going to butcher it if I say it. Moringa. Yeah,
3: Moringa.
0: moringa. There you
3: yeah. uh, go. We're calling it our Moringa Lager. Um, one of our brewers, Charles, met a woman that works with the uh, Colorado Haiti Project. And uh, they actually take the funds that they raise and physically go down and do the work in Haiti themselves. Yeah. And uh, through talking with her, he decided he'd like to kind of partner up and make a beer for them okay. to see if we could help out their cost. And uh, <clears throat> they. Uh, Offered up the moringa leaves, which is something that they use in Haiti for spice and tea, and mm. I guess uh, medicinal purposes and stuff. So we uh, got a hold of some of that and brewed a tropical lager, and uh, spiced it with some tea we made with the moringa leaves. Oh, so, that's awesome! Yeah, that'll be our uh, charity beer for March.
0: Well, and and that's a, a really interesting in the sense of because you mentioned you do something every month. Right. So one of the questions we love to ask brewers when we're doing this is what what are the decision factors that kind of go in when it's time to make a new brew or how's that go you know, what what's the decision process so
3: it it can be anything you could possibly imagine so we basically have a <laughs> full creative freedom here um i don't have a phone number to call when i decide to come up with a new batch uh you should call us just let you know hey, <laughs> 30 days from now <laughs> and uh Basically, myself and my other two brewers and CJ, anybody that's staff here is welcome to come in and mention an idea to us. Uh, We currently have about 25 to 30 beers on tap any given Mm -hmm. week, and only about 10 of those are our core year-round beers. Mm -hmm. So two-thirds of our selection is basically seasonal and one-off stuff, Mm -hmm. and it could be anything from our Bad Habit beer. We paired up with a Donut. Company here in town. Yeah, you're Made a batch that. of beer with a thousand donuts in it.
1: But you but you didn't have the donuts in the last batch, you said, right? So it's a little more uh, we made a toasted. Like we made, a, <laughs> toasted, yeah, we yeah. made oh. a toasted coconut. I yeah. thought that was very interesting. Yeah. I'm like, well let's say a donuts day we're gonna use co- toasted coconut. And I'm like donuts. Yeah, oh to-
3: yeah. Coconut cream ale is flying right now. Yeah, we've so got, got it, it right now. Have, accidents <laughs> happen too yeah. Yeah. and that yeah.
2: causes a craze that you have to follow. Definitely.
0: That's bacon. Can never go wrong with bacon. Bacon. Um, I
2: haven't
0: tried it. No, but uh, so uh, from a production standpoint, how many barrels are you guys putting out these um, days?
3: We did about 2,500 barrels in the kettle last year. OK. So uh, that puts us up in, I don't know, probably the top 100 brew pubs in the in the world, I'm sure. It's a uh, pretty good production, production watch, for, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for mostly in-house uh, sales. We right. do right. send do you, some kegs out to a, so a handful of Do you, of restaurants do you bottle outside, or keg? We don't bottle uh-huh. keg that we at, well. We used to can, so.
2: and we stopped a, a, a bit back, and you know that was hard to start with, you know, pulling out of the market. But what we've seen, what's it's, what it's given us now, having you know twenty-five to thirty beers on, there's no way to to think that you know we shouldn't have been doing that the whole time. Right. And and like he said, the freedoms that they get, you can tell they're happier brewers. Yep, you aren't, yeah, yeah. You're having to, you know, biscuits and gravy every day. Right. You know, having to cook that out, it's yeah. I'm yeah, sure it yeah. makes you a little bit happier.
1: You know I don't think I've ever actually run across your beer at the. Liquor store I go to, which has pretty much every
3: Well, and we used to have
2: almost 400 accounts when we were distributing, so it wasn't for a lack of you know, the market's rough right now, there's a lot of breweries out there, a lot of competition, a lot of people trying to get their name out there. And you talk to these liquor stores and they see somebody new every week with a new product that's decent, you know, and so it's hard to decide these things. I was in
1: my liquor store a couple weeks ago and they were training a new guy, filling up the the uh, coolers and the guys like, that's where the uh, domestic beers, the Bud Lights, Coors Lights, you may have to check that every other day. This is, <laughs> this is the, the, the Colorado beers. We have to say on this like oh. hourly so. sure. I, I got a good laugh out of that. Cause I'm like, yeah, who's buying that stuff in Colorado? Right. But.
2: Well, so, and that's just been a recent change, too. I mean, just you, you could say in the last you know five to eight years that happened where that kind of flip yeah. between mm-hmm. the domestics. Mm-hmm. Used to be two doors of craft and eight of domestic, and now mm-hmm. that's, if it's not 50-50 or the other way around, you know, there's well, something I go, going yeah. I have like
1: 20 doors of right. craft yes. and, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Like five of the domestics. <laughs> and that's why, yeah, we're a
2: big bubble, but we haven't hit yeah. that bubble yet. It's oh, still growing, so. Absolutely. Well, and, and so then,
0: since you mentioned there's, you know, a large number of different options available, and and we joke when we talk with brewers, it's hard to pick a favorite kid. But if you had to, what would it be like? What's what's your favorite on tap right now? Morning for you. Okay. Wow.
3: Yeah. Morning yeah. label. It's no
1: right. hesitation there. <laughs> yeah. that's the a, which one's one? the morning label? It's fifteen
3: oh, percent. We did get that one for you. Uh, oh, uh, uh, that's yeah. the yeah, one we yeah. get one of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have that I, I later to
0: tonight it. at our event.
3: And uh, <laughs> that one's kind of interesting because the the brewing process is uh, multiple steps. We can't actually get for fifteen percent in a single fermentation. So we have to split it up into Mm. two separate uh, fermentations with two separate yeast strains to actually get it that high. That one's fun. Dangerously
2: smooth. What about you, CJ? I've found that the you know having variety of life is the, the key to it. But I'm a very seasonal drinker. I mean, even weather that day kind of thing. If it's cold out, I want a, a heartier dark beer. Right. If it's light out, I'm drinking light. If I'm working a festival, I obviously got to make it through the festival. So right. It's all has to do with what what's going on at that second.
0: No, it makes sense. No, absolutely. So mm-hmm. you now uh, you guys work so hard in, in you know in the brewery there. How often do you have to take work home? I mean, Mark and I are working on stuff to the wee time. hours of night all the time. So. <laughs> Um, are you guys, can you homebrew as well? I mean, you guys have the kind of the freedom to bring it here, but do yeah. you get to experiment home as well?
3: I don't. Um, I don't homebrew at home, but <coughs> when we come up with a new recipe here, yeah. we crank out 300 <laughs> right. gallons. Right. Yeah. I even yeah. I yeah. Yeah. You got, you got <laughs> the best homebrewing yeah. setup yeah. yeah. ever. That's a test batch for us. Yeah. It's 300 gallons. Wow. So. wow.
1: Uh, and if it's bad, who's going to drink 300 gallons? Of we don't do you know. ever have a
3: bad one? We don't put them on tap if they're bad. Who um, determines they're bad, like the we, we do, yeah. um, you know, we rely on yeast and the, <laughs> the whole microbiology business right. sometimes can uh, Go down the wrong path, and we may lose a batch due to an infection or something from time oh, yeah. to time. But that uh, happens in software software don't, world too. Yeah. Some <laughs> stuff goes <laughs> down <lose> too. The <laughs>
2: there was a bug there. Uh, yeah, You don't, don't
3: did tabs instead release, of spaces. We don't release that stuff, and we are our own quality control. Right. That's right. No, so that's, that's excellent. Before we put anything on, um, but yeah, no, no home brewing. I haven't done that in a really long time. Make uh, one. There's the so much the into it. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Is It takes the same amount of labor and time to make five gallons at home, yeah. if it's not more due to the cleaning and stuff, it totally than it. it does for me to make 300 here at work. Right. So,
0: so uh, what you're saying is you got the best job in the world, <laughs> That's okay.
2: what I'm hearing. I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, it's that's the best job in the world. <laughs> um,
0: no, I mean, it's, uh, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to us today. Um, I know there was one more thing that you wanted to mention. There was an event that's coming out oh, here absolutely. in March. Oh,
2: absolutely. I'm glad we could plug. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, we cool, brought, cool. By you too as well, too. But it's the Day of Dorks. It's the second annual one that we do. We do uh, festivals throughout the year here, usually uh, some philanthropic. And yeah. this one's uh, a little bit more for fun for everybody. But we uh, get 30 breweries, and they bring really eclectic, nerdy, out-there styles of beer. Sweet. And uh, everybody was really stoked. And just to give you kind of an idea, let's just say um, the last year's winner was like an 80-degree beer that won. 85. 85. Opasaki. It was yeah.
3: a raw, unboiled beer that they fermented at, I think, 100 degrees for 48 hours. Oh, wow. Just wow. weird stuff Immediately kegged like it off and brought it to the festival. Well, I heard about it, and I was really interested. So yeah. right before that, we let the public in, I went up to the booth, and I'm like, hey, I'd like to give this yeah, a yeah. try. And they were like, no, we, we can't serve it yet. It's not up to temp. <laughs> Not up to tip. Right. So I'm peeking around. The, All right, <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Like 20 they minutes? Up. Like they had throw some salt in there. We'll they had heat it up. Immersion <laughs> heater right. in a bucket heating the water up, and they weren't gonna serve it till the beer got to 85. Degrees. Wow. Wow. But that's
2: what took the show. We gave, Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah, we gave a prize Absolutely. away for oh, the
3: nerdiest man. beer, and they totally went above and beyond. They made that's that awesome. specifically for that fest. That's. Oh. Yeah, but it's
2: uh it's March 10th, uh, noon to four. And okay. What we do is we ask uh, that you dress up like nerds if you like. We got a bunch of shouldn't be a problem. But then we raise.
1: We're sad we'll give you the, the nerd, we'll give you, you yeah
2: we'll give you the pocket protector to fit that and protect that <laughs> it
0: will be good you know i'll bring some pens and then i'll uh,
2: bring any kind of school supplies because that's what we do race is we have uh, we had Excellent. like 5 boxes of school supplies that we can give to people in so We'll it's a real sure. fun festival, and tickets are still on sale on Eventbrite, so. Okay, right. yeah, yeah, definitely. It's 40 bucks, I think, still, so. But, yeah, we'd love to have you guys if you'd like to come. We'll plug it tonight, too, at our event. Yes. Nice.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, guys, again, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful, very informative session. Thanks for hitting um, us up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um Good and be here. We'll be back with more on Craft Beer and Data. Hey, guys, welcome back to another episode of Craft Beer and Data. We just got finished talking with John and CJ here at Wynkoop Brewery. Uh, wow, it was...
1: F- Awesome, awesome interview with them. So definitely make sure you watch that segment.
0: Yeah. Um, so we figured it's 2018, and I apologize. I am sick. We're still here. It's that important. Which is also, we, we
1: will not do any chugging today because uh, because of Nick's Nick's health. But I'll respect that this time, and we'll...
2: Whoa.
0: You know, here I thought we became somewhat more educated in the way of drinking. From Guinness. From Guinness. Yeah. And you now, all right. Um. I've been enjoying beating you. <laughs> I have to say, uh, this, this is enjoyable to
1: out drinking. <laughs> no, I'm man. the old guy. I'm I the know, old I, guy beating the young guy. It's fair, mean, it's, it's, it's fair. It's
0: fair. It's fair. It's um, fair. I gotta have some, you know, some pride. <laughs> <laughs> so, 2018. Um, you know, towards the end of 2017, a lot of people are making predictions in this year, and. Why not us, right? Um, Absolutely, but before we get to that, I just want to call
1: out our Lumberjack shirts that we have. Uh, nice windcoop flannels. Uh, you know, when I saw these here, and I thought, wow, you know, this is perfect for you, Nick. And I want to be like Nick today, so I'm, I'm just, also being the Lumberjack flannel guy. I'm just guy. glad
0: after so many episodes, you finally got just a hint of fashion sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just really excited about it. I'm this. ready to go down and the cut the some trees down. The full transformation. <laughs> We'll get you in the backyard, I'll we'll chop and wood, it'll Woo. be fine. Uh, all right, so back to the, back to the topic, Nick. <laughs> right, to the topic. Um, predictions, right, we can make some, too. I mean, we spent yeah, a lot yeah, of time talking to customers. I'm not
1: sure anybody will listen to our right.
0: predictions, well, but hey, let's make some. Let's listen to you, too. I think it'd be good. So, all right, so on the first one of those, I, I mean, I think if we look back at what happened last year in, in machine learning and artificial intelligence and kind of take you through what those mean in a second, uh, they really kind of... Bursted forward, uh, so many companies taking advantage of those technologies that you know actually really kind of I think even beat a lot of the industry leaders in in kind of the adoption rate. So, you know, obviously you have this concept of artificial intelligence, which I would think is an all-encompassing definition of essentially knowledge derived from a computer. Within that, you have. You know, splinters. One of them being machine learning, the other one being natural language processing, the other one being vision. So there's multiple avenues for those technologies to exist. But I think the big thing here is is just like, look, you know, as as doing some of the research, they're they're estimating seventy percent of all organizations are going to have some form of artificial intelligence.
1: Uh, Absolutely, and and, you know, (laughs) it's funny because I I was looking for a quote on this uh, on this topic. And uh, Mark Cuban actually made a quote about, and I, and I won't get exact, but he, he definitely did a quote on, you know, if you're not using artificial intelligence or some type of form of machine learning, in the next you know two to three years, your your organization is going to die. Basically. Yeah, absolutely, you're, they're a dinosaur. I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but uh, he was one of the highest profile people you that made a comment about it. Phased out of existence yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you absolutely, you know, and you know, I went to some training and some uh, you know, data vault training we talked about last time in, in Dublin, and even that the owner the the founder of the whole data vault concept says the same thing that yeah. you know if you're not doing something with machine learning in the next two to five years with uh, within your your BI organizations then you're, you're pretty much done. You're going to be left behind. You're not going to be in the data management space anymore.
3: So.
0: Well, it, it, I was reading an article today. It was actually really fascinating. Um, v- Uh, At Salesforce, so they're recently announcing Einstein, which is the machine learning aspect of Salesforce Um, Mark takes that with him into his meetings with his executive level meetings and they actually called out like it was a recent article I read on CNBC where it's just like yeah It's in every one of my meetings and I let all of my executives tell me what's going on and then I asked the machine All right, so you heard what they said like what's your interpretation and they the article explicitly mentioned where they called somebody out that they were wrong It's like no the the usability of artificial intelligence and machine learning um, is just it's going to become table stakes now. Absolutely. Um, you kind of mentioned when we were prepping for this that like in order to support that type not of that function, prep not that we prepped too much for this. <laughs> not that um, we prepped, Vinny. Yeah, Vinny. Now that we prepped too much. Now, in terms of you know the technologies that are there in place to actually support
2: it. Yeah,
1: which is one of my predictions for yeah. twenty eighteen is. Is yeah the reddle, readily available availability? Say that after too many beers. I'm gonna try
0: this beet beer here. The um so this one is the the coconut infusion that we were talking about with with John and CJ. Yeah. Good. This one is. I, I like it. It's not like overly coconutty, but it's Ooh. like enough that. Not sure I'm gonna finish the beet one. <laughs> um, so one of
1: my predictions for 2018, and it's uh, maybe it's not a big prediction, but. You know, after sitting through listening to the reinvent uh, keynotes from Amazon from AWS, if if you didn't listen to them, you should. You should go check them out. But the things that they're announcing uh, that for anybody to use that's a customer of Amazon or AWS platform, you know, they're they're continuing the the just embedding machine learning mm-hmm. and artificial intelligence into. All of their platforms to the point where my data in Redshift, for example, I can—I I don't need to offload it to EMR and run machine learning anymore. I can do machine learning algorithms right in Redshift. Or they're packaging up entire templates of—you of, know—machine learning uh, processes. So I, I, my prediction is that you know, in twenty eighteen, it's going to become even more invasive for every organization to start yeah. using. Uh, machine learning in some form or fashion to help help them stay even, you know, it used to be, you know, you were the leader if you used it. Now, if you want to continue to remain competitive, you have to do it. Yeah. And and companies like Amazon, AWS, and, and Google yeah. is coming out with a more, you
0: know. The AutoML stuff uh, yeah, that they just recently Tensor announced. Flows,
1: mm-hmm. UI on top. So everybody racing to help everybody, all the organizations become more proficient and use it. Faster, so yeah. so. My prediction is that we're definitely going to see a much much higher percentage, you know, of all organizations using some form of, of machine learning or artificial intelligence to help them gain the the edge.
0: Yeah, well, and and so a couple pieces to that to, to kind of validate what you're mentioning. So first, you know, whew. all right. Well, at least got I you know. in the shirt. We'll get you to start not, like not enjoying it down with something else. All right, yes. Um, <laughs> is a couple of things I was doing as, as I was researching for this was like 25% of the enterprises will supplement um, their technology for some more immediate dynamic point-and-click type things. That's going to definitely be driven by machine learning. The other side of it is, is that on top of not only using the machine learning components but recognizing the need for a process that handles things in real time. Now one of the things that you hit on is yes, I believe I'm 100% with you that organizations are going to have to take advantage of machine learning in, in order to survive. Now, within machine learning, there's kind of, there's really three categories, but two that really come up a lot. One is supervised learning, and the other one is unsupervised learning. And I think if we look back at 2017, a lot of the success that we saw in machine learning was primarily generated through algorithms like a random forest or a naive Bayes, which is more essentially a supervised learning. And what we mean by that is that, hey, I know I have this data set, and I know the categories that this data should fall into. So I'm going to define those categories, and I'm going to allow the algorithms to help kind of sort the data as it should. Unsupervised is really the exact opposite. I don't know what the categories are. I have my data set, and I'm really going to just expect the machine to figure it out and give me back the results. And, you know, a couple articles I read said, no, essentially it wasn't at the, you know, it wasn't performing it the way they wanted, but I really think... This year, my prediction for twenty eighteen. Say, what is your prediction? Yeah, what? not Get to the prediction. Oh, geez, Mark. It's uh, <laughs> essentially if we look at twenty eighteen, the MVP of machine learning this year is going to be unsupervised learning. Unsupervised learning, oh, yes. I think so. Too. If, if if we look I back, agree. you know, we had Yahoo with Hadoop, we had LinkedIn with Kafka. We are primed and ready for another giant information dump from a company like that. Explaining how they were using unsupervised learning they do some anomaly detection with it today But I think a larger issue And I think a lot of people are starting to realize it just with machine learning in general is just hey I don't have the right data to really actually do anything with it So right. you fix that all of a sudden unsupervised learning starts. It's all a about getting idea. the data. It is which well, hey we can help you with that we can um, but it's it's the the quality of the data, right? The relevancy, the recency. Absolutely. You know the range. The the, you want the to R's. Have tw- you once had twelve V's. I do have twelve V's. I have five <laughs> R's. Five R's. I do have five R's. We'll 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 bring them up in another episode. Mm. The five R's of data quality. Five R's of data quality. I, I haven't heard those. I don't think. I'm very. I'm I'm very intrigued and excited Mark, to I, hear about Nick's five R's of mm, data quality. Not my five R's. Oh. In fact, I've written about them, Mark. You got to read my blogs, man. I read my blog. Sorry, man. Jeez. I'm gonna do that right now. You know, I don't. <laughs> can I read your blog right now? Do you sure. mind? Yeah, just 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 <laughs> catch up. I'll I'll take the rest of the episode. Uh, you, can, sure. you can sit I'll, there and I'll drink. to you can know, read your blog. Right. Hold on.
1: Let me get uh, up here. Five R's. I yeah. I don't see it, man.
0: Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Right. I'm sure it's here. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was mine. Now you talk, so I can drink. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah.
1: Sure, sure, Nick. So I, I'll read your blog later. Yeah so i think my next prediction really is uh in in 2018 we're gonna which one
0: is that um this is is the porter that cj was mentioning i'll try that next sort of one. felt like there was some coffee to it i don't taste it no donuts though no donuts Did you use that? no the that coconut? was the coconut was the one that was supposed to oh. have donuts
1: oh okay all right, so back to my my last prediction. This will probably be my last prediction because I've, I've drank too much to predict anymore. Um, Come on, Nostradamus, we got this. <laughs> so uh, my last prediction is really around uh, the 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 wave or the movement around containerization um, mm-hmm. and uh, serverless and, and all the good stuff around that. So you know, I, I see today. You know, today in twenty seventeen. You know, 2016, 2017, people were slowly adopting Docker containers and containerizing your applications, mm-hmm. um, and understanding what that really means. Uh, and and really coming into this year, people really started, you know, getting a really good handle, I feel, on that and understanding, you know, not just, you know, containerizing your application is one thing. But actually, taking it a, a little bit lower level and containerizing the service, or mm-hmm. or building, you know, the serverless. So, I, I my prediction is in, in 2018, the the whole containerization movement and serverless. So, serverless meaning for those of you who haven't heard of it, is taking a service, packaging it up, kind of a standalone, and and basically hosting it on, you know, obviously a server, but hosting it on a server that you don't necessarily maintain. So it's it's really a standalone. Process mm-hmm. that can run all on its own, does its function, and you know whatever that is, it could be fetch customer or you know get you know you know first name, last name, whatever it
0: is. This B one is fantastic. Yeah, that's the difference name? between
1: you and me. Yeah, you know, I have taste. Here you go. All right, I <laughs> hope you can have mine. Oh, good. All right. Um, so anyway, you know my prediction is the whole the containerization, you know it's it's been you know from DevOps and from yeah. from applications already been a pretty big movement i think it's going to become even more mainstream and the in you know in enterprises are going to adopt this even more uh and then the whole you know serverless concept having a a a service being you know standalone running in either containers or serverless environments like aws and google and stuff is really going to take off this year for building applications and, and things like that so it's my prediction is this is the year for for containerization and and, and microservices and serverless. So yeah, I, it's the year. It's it's going to be big. And, I hear you. No, and I, mean, I think you'll you'll see some cool things you know around us as well.
0: Yeah. No. And you actually hit on a, a key point um, outside of the serverless, talking about kind of the organizational changes that we're seeing in terms of DevOps. And I think my last big prediction of this year is that organizations are definitely going to have you know, it, Let's put it the new cool, like, job, right? Because you know, data scientist—that like, that was That's, the job you wanted. Yeah. And before that was the data engineer. That was the job you wanted. I think that there's two new really cool roles, and I'm coming up with this last one as we're thinking because it oh. reminded me of something else. Making stuff up as we go. No, oh, uh, you know, it's the the spirit of the episode. No, I think <laughs> that the first piece is we we've hit on time and time again this machine learning is effectively changing how organizations are producing, what they're doing, but it's also gonna have a significant impact on the people, right? In terms of how do we align both our data scientists, data engineers, and and our business users, because essentially everyone needs to come together to solve that. And so one of the trends that's been picking up a lot is this concept of not DevOps, but data ops. Mm-hmm. Where you cover the integration, you cover the quality, you're working with the data scientists to come up with the machine learnings. I think structuring teams such that everyone has all of that as a responsibility is important. Because I think one of the things that I look back at is is DevOps itself was supposed to be a methodology change. Methodology change, Oof. Oof. Um, As opposed to- well, We have an event yet tonight, so you better know. slow down, man. No, nah, it's fine. I, <laughs> um, a methodology change such that that was supposed to be part of a development organization, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't supposed to be its own separate team. It was supposed to just be, hey, this is how everyone's operating. And I think I've seen a lot of organizations that's kind of just, um, oh, DevOps is over there. Data ops might be this renaissance of the concept, recognizing that, hey, these people have to work together in a very intimate setting such that they are working hand in hand. It's not like we can hand it off to the other team and just kind of go on our way. I mean, it, we're, they're in the, the, you know, together. The other thing that I thought they're about... They're in what together? They are in the trench together. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. Oh, sorry, man. Is this a kid-friendly show? It's a kid-friendly show. Is it? We try. Why? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if we go back, we swear a lot. Uh, no. I, I think you could just say they're in the shit together. They're in the shit together. Um, no, you know, I think... Um, So the other job is recognizing once we've taken those results, how do we package the information we've got up into something that we can sell? So the other cool job I think will pop out this year is the information broker. Right. How information the, broker. Yeah. I don't Does think sound I've cool? heard that before. Yeah, this is this is, this a, is a new concept you put the original Yeah, I'm putting right. I'm throwing it out there just let's, like we did. Uh, let's
1: call up our CMO Ashley and let him know that we have a new Hey a new information role broker
0: that we want to pr- go mm-hmm. after. Yeah, and so think of it this way, right? I, I have all of this this wealth of information, right, that I've either run through machine learning algorithm mm-hmm. or just process in general. And the ability to then mask it and then sell it, that information to other people. Is something that I think a lot of companies haven't—they've been exploring, right? They've been testing it. The other side of it is—so, would you sell that through like API, like yeah. some type of API management, the data API, or something? Absolutely. Huh? Right? Access to that API. Now, the other thing is, it's not only just the data. What I see time and time again is organizations that are collecting all this information to train those machine learning algorithms. It's very easy to put an API front end to that once the model's been trained to be able to get results out. Yeah, totally. Right? And so yeah, absolutely. Right. See, it's not just complete hocus pocus. Mm-hmm. There's some, some thought behind it. It's not just marketing. It's not
3: just
1: marketing. No offense to the marketing no.
0: people. Because oh, I, <laughs> um, I am marketing. You said not me. But I am marketing. You no. check I mean, my title. In, in all seriousness, <laughs> what I see, a lot of those organizations, and even what we're seeing with Google and Microsoft today, right, I can easily build my machine learning algorithms and, and use their platforms for training, but they also have just basic APIs. Well done, sir. Well done. I talk I a lot. I did give you it. my beet beer though. That's true. Um, I, can't, I can't drink that one. But they, they do have <laughs> they, they have the ability to build the service and they have pre-built services as well. And I think yeah. that we're going to start seeing the likes I, of you know, the uh, huge I, SIs being able to provide that as a value added service. I,
1: I love the concept of an information broker. I think so is that your prediction? Is That's the, my prediction. Is that the, we're going to see information ta- brokers coming. Information out. Broker. I, I like that. You know, because there's there's you know data is one thing. And, you know, for those that that are new to the whole data management space, you know, there's data, but you use data to to, to, ag- to come yeah. up with you know whether you aggregate it or cleanse it to actually come up with that information, and the information is what's the value to yeah. the business, right? So what Nick is saying is, is we're coming up with information brokers are going to be the big thing for twenty eighteen, not data necessarily, not just give you some raw data that, that you, you know you have to figure out what to do with it, but actually information brokers insight, yeah. that have said, hey, we've already come up with these insights and this information here it is. Do you want it? I'll sell it to you. Yeah, <laughs> Nick will sell it to you. So that's that's a great prediction. Well, Nick. I love, I love it, man. I, you know, that's to me. You know, I've heard the the concept of of, you know, data API gateways and things mm-hmm. like that. I think I think that's probably one of the best descriptions and information broker and predictions around, you know, this data gateway is really more it's going to be more valuable if it's an information broker and yeah, in information gateway than than just pure data, just raw data, right? So
0: Yep. Awesome. Okay, hey, cheers to that, man. Hey, I appreciate that. So, I like it. So, we've we've talked about a number of different ways that I think our industry and really just data as a whole is going to evolve over this next year. You know, I, I look forward to our episode at the end of the year yes. where we come back and we go. Have, we, have a, we have to. Right on this I, one, wrong on that one. I think in in December
1: we definitely got to pick. You know, that's our topic is come back and you know review see our did. predictions and see. You know, are these really you know is machine machine learning AI really pervasive? Is you know Docker and containerization and microservices has it really become pervasive over the year and and just come back and see where we are So see how see how good we were on our our drinking predictions? So. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> well, and so. You know, obviously again, thank you, Win Brewery, for yes. providing us the space for this episode. Awesome space. Next movie. Great beer. Yeah, we're in Philadelphia. So if you're interested in coming and listening to us talk in our evening sessions, which we'll preface is after some of these. Um, <laughs> could be interesting. Could be interesting. That'll be a lot of fun. Um Philadelphia's the next place. And then after that, I think we're in Nashville. Nashville, Nashville's Nashville. We're we getting the the AOK on Nashville. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Again, thank you for watching this episode. My name's Nick. I'm Mark. We'll catch you at the next episode of Craft Beer Network. Cheers, Data. Nick. Cheers. Oh, you can cheers now. I want to show that I learned. <laughs> All right.